Please do turn to the book of Zechariah in chapter 13. Our text is just the single verse at the beginning of this chapter. Chapter 13 of the prophet Zechariah. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Our subject, therefore, tonight is a fountain opened. A fountain. What a glorious picture. Something beautiful to look at. Something that offers refreshment more than beauty and something that offers life. A life-giving fountain. Oh, this is a bright promise, a prophecy, a vision of Zechariah. Zechariah was raised up by the Lord after the children of Israel had come out of captivity the second time. They've gone back to Jerusalem. It's 518, 520 BC, around about then. And after the horrors of exile, Zechariah is chosen to be God's mouthpiece. In those days, they didn't have the word of God as we had it, and God spoke through prophets very clearly. And this is undoubtedly a divinely given prophecy. It's speaking of Christ. It's speaking of Calvary. It speaks of God's outpouring love in a fountain and the only remedy for sin. Oh, it's a wonderful promise. Genuine hope. A hope that all can have, as we've just sung, in this deep, dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. This fountain is about that blood the lifeblood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way through the Old Testament, there are pictures and prophecies of this very day. We noticed, reading through chapter 13, and if you read chapter 12, you would see, in that day, in that day, I think it's 12 or 14 times that expression is used. And it's speaking of the time after Christ was born, up until the day of judgment, in that day, that period. Remember, we're in just one-third of the time since the creation of the world after Christ came. There was approximately two-thirds beforehand. And so it speaks of that day. If any of you doubt tonight that this is the word of God, or oh, just turn back to chapter 12. Let me show you something here. Is there a clearer prophecy of Calvary, of the cross, of the crucifixion, than this verse? Let's just read from verse 9 of chapter 12. And it shall come to pass again in that day, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David, 
and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And listen to this. And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him, as one that mourneth for his only Son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. I could show you other prophecies, but we won't have time tonight. In these chapters at the end of Zechariah, it's as though the spotlight shines at its brightest at the end of the Old Testament before God goes silent for 400 years. There is a bright light speaking in vivid terms of one that would pierce the only Son, one that was loved, and the people shall mourn, thinking that was the end of the world. But really it was the entrance of light and life into the world. Well, we haven't got time to look at that. Let's come to our text tonight. This very clear prophecy in that day, a fountain. Jerusalem, that's what it's speaking of, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had one spring of water. It's known as the Gihon Spring, G-I-H-O-N. It came from the valley Kidron that was just outside the walls. You can read about it in Isaiah 7. Verse 3, a conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. It was the only source of water that was springing up in the whole of Jerusalem. Yes, there was the pool of Bethesda where there was that famous miracle of Christ, but that caught the rainwater. But this spring was the only source of natural water bubbling up underneath, refreshing itself again and again. And it's still there today. You can go and find it in Jerusalem. The picture of a single source of life and of hope, a fountain. This isn't speaking of water. This is speaking of the single source of life-giving, atoning blood, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to say initially tonight, what is the need for a fountain? That's what this verse describes for us. It says the fountain is for, and then it says it again, it's for, and it mentions two words, sin and uncleanness. It hardly needs saying. Everybody tonight, we're all in the same boat. We're all the same. We're all sinners. I don't think sometimes you go to a school and a child puts up their hand and says, I'm not a sinner. But I don't think anyone tonight, particularly 
Your parents, if you are a child, would say that you and they are not sinners. No, it's only the atheist that turns evil on its head and says that the source of evil is religion. How perverse to say that there's no such thing as sin except found in religion. What an irony that if God is supposedly dead, as they say now, but according to the atheist, he is dead, there's now no one to blame when things go wrong. And there is suffering and war in the, in the world. If you're an atheist, you can't blame God for suffering because you don't believe there is a God. What a perverse logic. What about the humanist? The humanist that has such hopes and says that human beings are so good, so powerful, and they argue, and they argue that we're on an upward path and that things will get better and better. Well, let me shatter the illusion. Did you read this week? There's been 105,000 cases of child abuse in this country in the 12 months to March. 57% increase in five years. Maybe more reporting, you might say. There's 32 major wars, conflicts, going on right now. Do you know, since the 1970s in this country, and this is unarguable, this isn't to do with reporting, there's two and a half times more murders each year. What about rape? Eighteen times more rape reported in the last year than there was just 30 years ago. Why do I mention these things? Well, we have data. You don't have data on me, and I don't have data on you. I could speak about me. I could attempt to speak about you, but I don't know all the facts and the figures. The fact is we are all sinners, and that's why this fountain has been opened. It's for sin. And the good news is, we have a fountain because all of us are sinners. The facts are so clear. We don't need to look beyond the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. And think of the days of Noah. Every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. That's the natural man, the natural woman. We're born into sin. We are sinners. It's obvious. Only a fool would try to claim that they're not a sinner. The word of God is so clear. History is clear. Your conscience is clear. And even the government knows it. 
but it denies what the cause of the problem is. What is sin? Sin is breaking God's laws. God, in his mercy, his kindness, he wrote with his finger in tablets of stone so they didn't need to be changed because the condition of man wouldn't change. God wrote not once, twice, because the first set was broken, two tablets of the commandments of God there to protect us, there to keep us from damaging, self-infliction damage upon ourselves. They're God's timeless rules, but they also speak about his holiness, his justice, his consistency, his purity, every one of those commandments, they cross-refer to one another. When man makes laws, there's contradictions, but not God. And these laws, they're like a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ, showing me I can't please God. I can't earn salvation. I need a saviour. I need a fountain to wash me. Sin, the great words of the Bible, sin makes me twisted. That's iniquity. And it means I step over the line. That's transgression. And do you know what it leads to? The second word, sin is the act, the thought, the deed. It's what we are. And the stain and the stench that it causes each one of us in our lives is called by Zechariah uncleanness. Uncleanness. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? To think that before God and his all-seeing, all-knowing eyes, I am a desperately unclean person. Uncomfortable, but true. A fountain for sin and uncleanness. Sin is the problem. Uncleanness is the offense, the pollution, the stain, the guilt. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, verse 3, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, that's the best part of us, are as filthy rags, they're tainted. Even those works of charity and the kindnesses are sometimes tainted by selfishness and the desire to be seen. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Sin is serious. There's no such thing as a little sin before a great, immeasurable God. Sin causes that stench and uncleanness and it contaminates others. When I sin, it affects my family. It affects you. When you sin, it affects me. 
sin spreads. One lie leads to another lie, leads to a cover-up, leads to hiding, leads to shame. And on its own, it's incurable. So sin is breaking God's law, and it makes us unclean, and it makes us guilty before God. He knows, and we can't deny it. Let's come to the positive here. This is for sin and uncleanness. This is so clearly speaking of Christ. These chapters 12, 13, and 14, where it speaks of in that day, the gospel age, again and again, there's glimpses of Christ. And here we have it so plainly, a fountain. This fountain is not like a normal fountain. You might go to a fountain in a marketplace and you take of the water. It's a place. People go to Mecca. They go to Lourdes. They make a pilgrimage. Oh no, this isn't a place. It's not a holy place. This is a person. This is going to Christ by prayer and coming before him. How do I know that? 1 John 1 7 says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. This fountain is filled with blood. Oh, it's not a ghastly sight. It's a wonderful sight. All the blood of animals through the Old Testament. Think of how many animals, millions upon millions of animals, Slayed. How much blood? These Old Testament people, they had blood on their mind. They knew that without the shedding of blood, there was no remission, no forgiveness of sins. Our hymn writers knew this. Think of William Cooper. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath its flood, lose all their guilty stains. He was thinking of this verse, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain next to him in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, Wash all my sins away. Think of Top Lady. We're going to sing it shortly. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood. He was thinking of this verse. From thy wounded side which flowed. Be of sin the double cure. What does that mean? Double? Oh, it washes me of all my sin and the stain. Save from wrath and make me pure. That's the double. It saves me not just from the dirt of sin, the guilt of sin, and the consequences of sin. Oh, this fountain, like that spring in Jerusalem, It goes on welling up.
welling up again and again. Every time the gospel is preached, the fountain springs and gushes up. Will you see that flood before your eyes? Oh, it's not a stagnant pond with stale, unclean water. Oh, this is a spring renewing itself again and again, bubbling up with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says something rather wonderful here. In that day shall be a fountain opened. Opened. Oh, it would be good news if there was a fountain, wouldn't it? But what if it was closed? What if it was for ten years after Christ had died? That would be no good for me. A thousand years. Still no good. Two thousand. But yet it's still opened. I don't know how long it will be opened. I rather fear it will close soon. And it might close tonight for somebody here. But while I speak, it tells me there will be a fountain opened and it to be for the house of David. That's all of David's promised seed and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That speaks of those within the church, within the walls and the influence of the gospel. It's opened. What's the condition? How good is it? If there's a fountain, but you don't come. If there's a fountain, but you won't wash. And you won't come for cleansing. Your pride is too much. Let me tell you a famous story. There was once a German prince. And he was visiting France. And the French government decided that because of the significance of his visit... He would have the honor of visiting a prison. And when he went to that prison, he would be able to grant the release of just one prisoner. And so he went to the galleys of Toulon, there on the southeast coast of France. And as he walked round, all the prisoners knew that one of them would be given pardon. Just one. And so they sought to speak to him. No one was silent. He went round the galleys speaking to them one by one and all it seemed spoke of their innocence. They made excuses. They said, somebody made me. I was in bad company. My crime wasn't really as bad as it seems and I've served my sentence for long enough. But there was one man. When the prince came to him, he didn't make any excuse for his crime. He didn't try and minimize it or excuse it. Excuse it. And in fact, he rather said that justice must be done. It's right. 
that I serve time for what I have done. He went back to the government and he said, there was only one man that was fit to be released back into society. One man that was safe. One man that knew his crimes. Do you know your crimes tonight? Are you acquainted with your own personal sin? An uncleanness and more than that? Are you humble enough to acknowledge that justice must and should be done? Are you willing to come to the fountain tonight and be washed of your sin and of your uncleanness? Oh, that pool of Siloam that was fed by that spring, the Gihon spring, was open in the times of Christ to the blind, the lame. They could go for washing. But that spring didn't have an even course. Sometimes there was a surge and the waters moved and the people saw it and they went and they covered themselves in the water there at the pool of Siloam. Do you remember Naaman? That man who was a leper in desperate, desperate need and his pride nearly stopped him from coming. He was told, go and wash. What was his words? Are not Abana and Farpa, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned in a rage and he went away. And he had to be pleaded with, no, go, go, go and wash. Go and do what the prophet said. Is there a Naaman here tonight? Secretly in your heart, you don't like the idea of coming to Christ. You see your sin as a little thing. John Wesley has an illustration. It goes like this. He says that with a clock like the one we have at the back. It only takes a small amount of dust to stop the clock from working. Just one grain of sand will stop your vision from seeing your own sin. A bit of dust, a grain of sand. What will stop you? A small thing? from recognizing your sin when in reality it's not a bit of dust, it's mud that covers you. And it's not a grain of sand, it's a tree that's in your eye. Oh, when is the fountain open? It says it's open. In that day, the whole of the time from when Christ came until he comes again, until he says, enough, no more. The final one of my children has been gathered in, and the fountain is closed, no more. The blood that was shed will not cleanse any more, because Christ has returned.
That's the end of in that day. There will not be any more days because Christ has returned. In that day, the fountain will be open for sin and for uncleanness. What a fountain. Jesus Christ, he was marred. His face was marred more than any man. He was wounded. And yet from his side, as was promised in the previous chapter, he was pierced. And the blood that came down his side and his legs, that was seen by both the thieves, gave him such a beauty in the eyes of all who are sinners and who are unclean and whose only hope is the cleansing blood of Christ. Would you not wash in that flood tonight, in that fountain? What do you pay for a fountain? What do you pay for a fountain that's gushing with water? In the marketplace, we don't pay anything. It's the same with Christ's blood. Free grace, the free offer of salvation. That fountain is open tonight for all who would come to it. What do you need to do? Just come. Ask for washing. Go and wash and you will be clean. All your uncleanness will gone. All you need to do is put your faith in Christ and come to him by prayer, repenting of your sin, asking for that mercy and coming to that fountain to wash in that day, in that day, today. Come to him. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, these are sweet words to us tonight, the chief of sinners who feel and know their sin and their guilt and their stain, or oh, we come for pardon, for cleansing and forgiveness, even this very night. We pray that it may be so, that that fountain is opened once more for one sinner, who would be cleansed tonight by Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his perfect death, and his resurrection, giving us new life in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.